1: That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. Hello and you're very welcome to the latest installment of Inside Story, the podcast in which we go behind some of the stories published by Irish Times journalists on irishtimes.com and in the newspaper. I'm joined by our security and crime editor, Connor Lally, because Connor, there were a couple of quite separate news stories last week about serious assaults on Gardaí in Dublin and in the west of Ireland as well. And further to those, you you went out to talk to a few guards about what their experience is of putting themselves in, in danger on the front line, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I've really spent the
0: last few days um, speaking to, you know, the ordinary Garda members all over the country and um, getting their tales really of having come under attack, you know, generally when they call to people's homes and there's a bit of a, you know, row going on or maybe if they're on, you know, public order duties at protests or particularly um, in, you know, the early hours of the morning, you know, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, when people are pouring out of pubs and nightclubs and so on. And um, obviously people are full of alcohol and they will be more inclined to take on the guards. So, I mean, some of the people that I have, you know, some of the guards that I've spoken to um, would have had quite severe injuries. I mean, we've interviewed one guard sergeant from County Cork, uh, Dave Hockney, and he was very severely injured in an incident um, just over two years ago. They went out to answer a call of four or five men driving up and down a rural road in a car. Um, Local people kind of felt that they were about to, you know, break into houses or something. So Dave Hockney and his partner went out to this, you know, rural kind of um, area to check this out. When they got out there, they were basically set upon by uh, four men. Um and Sergeant Hockney got a got a you know a fairly sizable rock to his head, and he's lost the majority of the sight in one eye. Um he was in hospital for five or six days and he was out of work for almost a year. So that's on the more extreme end of the equation.
1: It's pretty horrendous though, yeah.
0: It is pretty, you know, it is pretty awful. And I mean, the photographs we even have on Times.com and in the paper were taken at the time he was injured. And, you know, you can see from his eyes that, you know, the injury is quite extreme. Um, there have certainly been other guard who who've had to retire early because they've, you know, they've been very badly injured. But you also get, you know, what you might describe as low-level injuries to guardy, like um, things like, you know, broken hands or broken arms, uh, soft tissue injuries, such as, you know, bad uh, bruising and that kind of thing. And a theme that does crop up quite a bit when you're speaking to Garda members is that they don't feel Garda headquarters uh, collates The nature and frequency of
1: attacks. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do we have data on on this about whether it's going up or getting more serious or what's going on?
0: Yeah, I mean, the only data we have is prepared by the Garda staff organisations. So that's the Garda Representative Association, which represents about uh, 10,000 rank and file Garda members. And then the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors um, represents just over uh, 2,000 members. So, they have done their best to kind of count the attacks and they reckon there have been about 1,300 attacks over a six year period and that there were about 260 attacks last year. But their complaint is that, um, you know, Garda headquarters doesn't keep a tally of, how, you know, how many attacks are happening every year, where the hotspot areas are, which area is getting worse, which area is improving. And I suppose the staff associations say that without that information, they you know, how can you plan? How can you try and improve things? How can you provide better training for people? How can you provide, you know, treatment for people? And how can you formulate proper, you know, Policies around. Yeah, and, and there's a
1: couple of things about that. One is obviously that the Gardaí have had various issues with data and problematic data of various sorts over the last few weeks, which hasn't done anything for for their reputation. I mean, did the Gardaí say why they don't? I mean, this this would seem to be quite an important piece of data for 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 a police force, wouldn't it? You know what the what the level of risk and danger is. I would imagine moment. it is a very important piece,
0: and it seems um, it seems to me that you know the cases are handled locally, so senior guard management will handle cases in their areas. There's no great uh, push to collate information and certainly share it. I mean, I would suggest to you that um, Garda headquarters is probably aware, maybe in you know to a greater extent than they're telling people yeah, um, how many attacks there are every year. But certainly, it's not something that they publish or they kind of you know shout about from the rooftops. So, a lot of the guards uh, who have been injured were saying that. If you're injured while you're in, you know, while you're working and you're not found to be in any way uh, culpable, if you're off for an extended period of time recovering, you will be paid your salary, basically. As you'd expect. Yeah. However, if, if you are regarded to have, you know, contributed to your own injury in some way because you didn't follow procedure or you weren't where you should have been and so on, um you may not get 100 percent of your pay when you're off. And one issue that has cropped up again and again when I've been speaking to people is that um, some of the people that I've spoken to, they have been out of work injured for a period of time. They have felt themselves that they're, you know, re- uh, recovered sufficiently to go back to work only to find when they go back that they're not able for the job because they haven't really properly uh, recovered and the problem is arising when people go off on a second um, period of sick leave and you know the guard authorities at that stage regard you as having recovered because you were back in work for a period of time and it can get complicated in terms of um, you know being paid your full
1: salary, even though even though the even, even though whatever condition you're suffering from is related to, to something which you know related to something that, that that you incurred in in the line of duty. Yeah,
0: I mean the procedure seems to be that once you've returned to work, once you're classified as being recovered. And there doesn't seem to be a massive amount of flexibility to allow for the fact that maybe people aren't as well as they thought they were when they came back.
1: And is there a tendency perhaps for some people to kind of rush back to work before before they should? Or I suppose another way of putting it is, I mean, in your piece about Sergeant Hockney, you talk about how he, he went back to work okay, but he wasn't able to carry out all the tasks which which he did previously, because obviously some elements of Garda work are very physically demanding and then some are more behind a desk.
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly in... The case of Sergeant Hockney, he lost eighty percent of the vision in his left eye, and that just really means that you, you you know, you're ruled out of lots of um uh you know, guarded jobs, basically guarded tasks. Um, he certainly wouldn't be able to engage in that, you know, robust uh police work that he would have been able to in the past, such as, you know, going to call outs because you can call to a house, and he actually makes the point that you can call to a house, it can be in a very affluent area, it can be Daylight hours um, and things can go very badly wrong very fast. And so you really d- never know what you're going to get when you answer a call out. So it, with his sight being so impaired, um, they just couldn't take the chance of really putting him in, in harm's way again. He'd be regarded as a, you know, a re- uh, risk to himself and indeed to his colleagues. So. In a case like that, you're really confined to your office in the Garda station and just to do, you know, whatever work there that you can. I think in a lot of other cases, particularly with young Garda who are anxious to progress up the ranks, um, there is a feeling that if I'm out of work for too long, the opportunities will pass me by. You know, young Garda who come out of Templemore, they want to get from Garda to Sergeant Rank very quickly and maybe in the first, you know, 10 years of being a police officer and they kind of you know a lot of them feel that if they're out for a long period of time this will damage those chances um they want to be seen to be you know very active in uh, police work to be you know racking up successes and experience so when they uh, apply for a sergeant's job for example um they're CV will be quite healthy and I think quite a few of them as well I mean they're very idealistic and they just want to be police officers, I think mean, there's lots of people in the guards who from a very young age they just wanted to be guards and being out to work sick uh, doesn't sit well with that, they like to be in there and at the centre of guard action so I think there probably is a culture of people rushing back. People thinking that they're stronger and healthier than they actually are. You know,
1: and we've got a police force which is under pressure at the moment on several fronts because of because of the various incidents around around whistle around the the, the, the breathalyzer controversy, and, uh, and and a number of things. And we've also got even if we don't have data, there's a, there's a lot of. There's a received wisdom out there that public order is more problematic than it would have been in a previous generation, and that that the kind of policing which was required at the Garda forty or fifty years ago is somewhat different in a in a small town on a Saturday night or or, yeah. or a city suburb on a Saturday night than it might have been then, and perhaps also that people are <laughs> that that a certain element of society is more likely now to to be prone to physically attack Gardi. Is that, is, 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 that a, is that a perception that's justified by the reality in, in your view? At yeah,
0: all? I mean, I think there's a couple of things going on there. I certainly think if you take a long-term view, uh, you know, maybe a view over 10 or 20 years, uh, you know, there's more people out, there are more pubs in small towns, more clubs in small towns. So I suppose nightlife has just exploded really, uh, you know, in Ireland in the last 20 years or so. So. Over the long term, the kinds of problems that are linked to excess alcohol uh, um, consumption are more, you know, problematic for guards to handle, certainly over the long term. Um, So, but I do think that over the last, say, like five, six, seven years, um, people's incomes have gone down quite a bit. They don't have the same Amount of cash to spend on things like, you know, recreational drugs or alcohol at the weekend, and I think the steam has gone out of public order crime quite a bit, and just in the last few years.
1: So it peaks during the
0: during the. Boom I time. think it, hmm. if certainly if you look at the crime statistics, um, everybody thinks crime goes down during a uh, or goes up during a procession, but actually crime has gone down quite a bit in Ireland, and it's really happening all over the world. Um. And the reason why a lot of guards will tell you crime rates have, have gone down is because the money isn't there in young people's, you know, predominantly young people's pockets to uh, drink to excess and to buy drugs. Uh, so the public uh, order, particularly at weekends all over the country, has calmed down yeah, quite a bit. And, and let's be realistic about this. The majority of these offences, these types of offences are carried out by young men. They are. And alcohol is a factor in quite a few of them. Um so as i say it, it 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 that kind of you know sp- substance abuse fueled public order has definitely calmed down a bit in the last say few years having said that um and you touched on it earlier the guards have gone through a lot of problems of late um you know their crime data has found to be inaccurate um the whistleblower scandals has really damaged them. Um, we've had breath tests that have been, you know, haven't been true and so on. So, I, you know, I really think the guards have faced a long term period of crisis, really, and they've been undermined. And I think because of that, and this is what, you know, rank and file guard will tell me they will tell me that people are much more inclined to have a go at you, either verbally or to actually, you know, take you on outside a pub or outside a nightclub than they were previously. And this idea maybe that, you know, you can pick a fight with, the guy down the road, or your friend, or whatever, but you can't put your hand on a guard. I think that was quite prevalent maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. I don't think that respect is there now. And I think a lot of Gardi feel that actually the Gardi uniform is a target, that when they turn up on the scene, um, you know, very often they will be seen as a target. Um, in a particular incident.
1: Does that then require a different policing approach? You know, does that require, you know, the kind of things that you'd see in other countries in European countries, for example, when you see police on the streets, you see them in larger numbers and you see them with more protective gear on?
0: Yeah, you certainly do. And I think in Ireland we have started to see a little bit of that going on. It's It's been done quietly, but it is kind of starting to go on. And it's more... Um, when incidents break out, you will very quickly see a van load of guardy dressed in, you know, what you might call combat style uniform, like overalls and caps, as opposed to, you know, traditional guardy uniforms um, turning up. And these are very well trained in public order. So they can they're very, very well trained at, um, you know, bringing a flashpoint situation, particularly ones in public pl- places involving Large numbers of people, bringing those kind of things uh, to you know calming them down and regaining control, particularly when there's been a group you know row on the streets, and um, so I think I I think the policing of public uh, order is changing a bit in in that regard, and certainly the G R A and the AGSI are very concerned that their members are you know. Being taken on, particularly by young people, you know, more and more now. And if that were to continue, I think Garda headquarters would just really have to have a look at public order policing all over the country and provide an almost, you know, riot squad. Um, certainly, a riot squad component
1: to to be on call in far more places. Um, particularly up weekends mm, Changing times uh, you can read Connor's article in uh, the Weekend Irish Times or on irishtimes.com Connor, thanks for coming in today and that's it from this week's Inside Story remember that you can find all our podcasts on irishtimes.com slash podcast and you can subscribe via iTunes and your preferred podcast provider and if you're a subscriber we are very very grateful indeed really if you'd take a moment just to share or recommend this podcast to get it out to a broader audience thanks to our producer Declan Conlon you can mail me at hlinnehan at irishtimes.com or tweet me on hlinnehan And until the next time, goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening.